Welcome to Music Rules, a podcast for music that rules and rules that music. That's right. I am your host, Jack. Yep, and I'm your other host, Fen. And today we're going to be doing a little mini episode talking about uh, the new Basil's Kite release. Hey, uh, Jack here from After the Pod. Um, it's not mini at all. I don't know why I thought it would be mini. This is a long episode. Have fun. Uh, Basil's Kite's my band. And we're going to be talking about the album Shooting Sars, which came out one week ago. One week yes. ago, yeah. Yep, nine days ago it came out. So Here's yeah. something that I just thought of. Mm. Um, I saw a shooting star, but nobody, nobody believed, believed me. me. Actually, that doesn't work. Uh, you're, you're no, thinking I, I of bag say, raiders. I'm getting confused between Sneaky Sound Systems <laughs> UFO <laughs> and uh, Shooting Stars by Bag Raiders. So I should actually be saying... I'm in love with a shooting star. <laughs> okay. <Yes. laughs> anyway. You know, I've been listening a lot of to that uh, shooting stars song I love that by song. Bag Raiders. And I yeah. think it's because I've been typing shooting stars all shooting around the stars. internet. But it's, but, a, um, good, uh, it's hey. a good album. It's an excellent title. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> well, let's, let's dive into this sucker. So I put up a little vote on Instagram um, and just said... What songs do you guys want to hear us talk about? What do you want to hear us discuss? Yada, yada. And the ones that came up were Sun is Smiling uh, by Curious George, Train Song, and Backvark. We'll see if we get to go through all of them, but um, we're, at the very least, we're going to go through three of them. So let's talk Sun is Smiling. Let's do and it. We'll, and we'll play like a little sting of it now. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, can I actually uh, listen to it? Um, yeah, yeah. Sorry, should we put it on?
So this is kind of one of the earlier tracks on the album. Um, when Jono and I wrote these guitar parts, we had this, this sort of thing where we really liked writing riffs that were very, how do I put this, kind of melodically inconsiderate, uh, just to the point of there's certain shapes you can put your fingers, um, certain shapes you can make on a guitar with your fingers that feel really good to play, but don't necessarily... Uh, mean much melodically aside from I guess being a bit dissonant so that opening is kind of like um, it's almost like the top of like a, like a 13th chord or something like and then the it's just the top half um, yeah, yeah it sounds uh, so much less dissonant when you contextualize it like that That's <laughs> in like a yeah <laughs> Now you're just, you know, Wes feels Montgomery kind of, or something. Yeah, yeah. It feels a bit sacrilegious or something. It feels a little unmetal. Un, un um, but yeah, so we made those that kind of idea and then we decided that, hey, if we're going to play it together in the context of metal or mathcore music, we should separate it by a really gnarly interval to make it a little bit more, um, a bit more intense. I forget where the bass sits in this, but I know the guitars sit a fourth apart. Um, okay. Yeah, and the pattern is like a really quick nine five nine three eight. I think it's thirty four altogether. And that sort of introduces that idea that will come up quite a bit in this song. I love that that rhythmic riff. It's so cool, and it definitely goes back to this idea that we talk about a lot, which is. Uh, a rhythm that follows a melody rather than a rhythm that follows, you know, a 4-4 bar. Yeah. Um, one thing I did want to ask you about these sorts of rhythmic changes is how do you decide, like, 
kind of how how do you decide how to count this because there's a lot of different ways you could count it and you could almost yeah. like really simplify it and treat it like just four four with cross rhythms or something yeah um, yeah how what's your mo yeah, I, for I that mean, sort of thing there's so many different ways you can try and count this stuff i'm like i'm very much a disciple of a band called meshuga um that was sort of my introduction to this sort of rhythmically complex music and their big thing is they have uh, a hi-hat that's open on basically every like you know every one two three four with like a rhythm that moves underneath like there's a regular pulse no matter what yeah yeah and and i think it's part of the um six like how how successful they are is people can really get down to it no matter what crazy stuff is happening underneath so i was counting this yeah with um with kind of like a four underneath but isaac threw a little spanner in the works which i'll get to soon (laughs) um a little bit later in the song uh so then we get to the verse and the verse is based on a rhythmic concept that i've kind of used for a long time uh it has these stabs so it's this idea of going small medium small long and i've used it a lot in different songs it's just a fun little way to um to mess with rhythm it's yeah it gets a little formula yeah um the the notes themselves i'm playing in it are um based on some atonal chord ideas from a guy called christopher arp or arp man dude and he made a metal theory dvd in which he shared all of the best ways to play some really gnarly chords on guitar. So those those big stabs are like, um, they're like tone clusters of like, I think it's like what, B, B flat, B and C all together, but they're separated by two octaves. So um, it's funny, like guitar generally is not really as good for those sorts of uh, chords compared to like piano or something like that. So you have to do these really really weird shapes and you can see it in the music video it's awkward to play (laughs) yeah um i guess the benefit of guitar um versus piano is that you can really spread everything out that's what i'm always really jealous of and anytime i try to play like a guitar song on piano because i suck at guitar um it's always really cool like because the chord shapes are really spread out and so with dissonance when that's really spread out that's an interesting sound i think hmm now, who did yeah. the vocals on this one? Is it Did Jacob come up with the melody or was it uh, you who came up with the melody and the lyrics or what, how did it work? Me, uh, that was myself and Jacob. Okay, so, together. Yeah, nice. J- Jacob took the first part and then took the second. I wrote these lyrics like eight years ago. Like it's really, really old. I mean, even like sort of making a reference to hating June rats, which is quite funny because um, people don't really think about them anymore. But that was yeah. right when they came out. I guess June Rats fans still think about them. That's true. Hey, and, and they love all, them. All, all, all power. <laughs> and they all hate pa- you, sir. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> What's the Venn diagram? I wonder of Basil's Kite fans and um, June Rats fans. I, I don't think it's very big. That's just my hunch. It's I don't a, know. A perfect circle. It's a perfect circle. <laughs> it's a circle full of contradictions. <laughs> yeah, full of some really interesting folk in the middle. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I guess I'll, I'll, I'll keep on moving on, uh, moving on with this stuff. 
So the, the, the chorus has this big kind of break. And we did click this song. Like this was all to a click track. And we had a lot of difficulty finding out what the tempo of that chorus was meant to be. I say chorus, but maybe it's not as obvious that it's a chorus. But the the bit that goes boom da da bum 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 ba da 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 da, um, yeah, it's sort of when we did it live, it would kind of oscillate with the energy in the room and kind of what what we were feeling ourselves that day and stuff like that. So anything can yeah. be a chorus if you want. Anything it to be. can be a chorus. Just repeat yeah. it a few times after the verses. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then there's there's our first breakdown that emerges um, in the Come Fight Me Harold Holt section. Mm-hmm. Little reference to our former PM who disappeared into the ocean. Yeah. Um, people yeah. don't think about that enough. Yeah, people don't people don't talk about that. What's with that? Um, yeah. I think it's like a CIA operative or something. Yeah. It's totally there's, a baseless assumption, um, but I, I think it's something. I, I love like it, that. though. I love all the baseless assumptions about <laughs> the disappearance of form, former PM Harold Holt. He's a really interesting character. Yeah. Um, so this song's so old that it was one of the tracks that was we were playing when we had a sax player. And wow. he used to just cut sick over this section. Um, I can but in the recording, that. yeah. But in the recording, it was um, Jono. He pulled a very last-minute cowboy solo, wow, which was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, and then we return to the sort of main theme again at the at the end, two twenty-two. Um, but then we move it up an octave. Classic little raising the stakes idea. You just you push to. push it up a little bit. Yeah, especially by a semitone, which is what we do. Yeah. Uh, so in this, this is what you brought up before about how do you count this stuff. So circling back to that, um, when Isaac began to play drums over this song, he started doing like a triplet rhythm on the crash underneath, like and I always used to feel like so suddenly we had to kind of rewrite the bass part because the bass used to just play straight fourths underneath, but. Um, then we ended up putting it in so the bass was following the crash because that felt kind of the most natural and I guess the most clean production-wise. Yeah, I definitely feel it with that kind of, those groups of three. Mm. But I guess yeah. that's because you've rewritten it to <laughs> accentuate <laughs> To be like that. <laughs> I got to say, he really opened my eyes to that three idea. I um. Yeah, I you you talk a lot about like triplet rhythm, which is so funny to me because like I just... I grew up playing in wind bands where everything is in six eight, so I right. just was constantly playing like, like compound uh, time signatures with groups of three. So it's right. really funny, like that. That's like the one thing that you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, that's well, too for much. M- yeah, for me, it's like a mind blowing moment because like every, well, I don't want to say every, but a lot of metal music with those sorts of complex rhythms underneath does have a straight kind of four accent yeah, right. behind it. Yeah, and triplets are like really weird. Um, I guess that's like a genre thing. Yeah. Um, Yes. Should we talk about the ending of the track? Yes. Yeah. So the ending, uh, we move into these like really kind of chuggy. And um, I remember in that bit, there's a great video of Jono kind of conducting that section. It's like triplets and eights and stuff like that. Triplet. Triplet. Yeah. The most like 
the most uncool representation of like heavy music. Just a couple of guys in the studio going triplet. Fill. The good thing yeah. about triplet is the right amount of syllables to hey, it's reflect. True. <laughs> yeah, what it yeah, is. Yeah, usually I say banana or banana. Wa- watermelon. I say what pineapple. Pineapple. Watermelon. Yeah, semiquavers is watermelon. Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah, I, f- I forget all my fruits and rhythms, but banana is weird because if you're saying that for triplets, like the emphasis is on the second syllable naturally in that word, so you're going ah. banana, banana, like banana, banana, banana. banana, banana. It's so kind of. Uh... You, you know why I'm thinking banana? Because I'm staring right at your minions headphones you're wearing right now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> minions headphones, and I have a minions cup that minions says "cuter together." This guy's minions crazy. But um, you know, you'll just have to imagine that. Yeah, unfortunately, we're not a visual audio. medium. <laughs> yeah. Audio only. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's these big chuggy sections. We're playing um, major sevenths. And then, um, what's his face? Jono is playing the same thing, but I, I believe it's up a minor third. So you get a real nice crunchy cluster of, I think, four notes next to each other. Whoa. Very gross, very apt for the genre. Um, and then Not at the, the very the end, of the end. Sorry, you go. It's got this kind of like, I can kind of feel it in four, and then it goes into those, those like big triplets. I really like that. I don't know. Yeah. I don't have that. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds awesome. Sounds huge. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, keep going. Sorry. That's all right. Yeah. So. Yeah, those sections, those big triplets. I love what Isaac's doing on the drums there as well. With the like the open hi hat, it feels almost like a real slow like disco beat. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, he really reimagined these songs in a big way when we presented them to him. Yeah, even to the point where it started to mess with us a little bit. Yeah, so uh, the the very end does that big triplet thing, dun 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 dun, dun, dun little na 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 thing that we put in a while ago, and then we go into this big section at the end, which is just straight for bump 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 bump, and the sort of the vision in mind is like writing this kind of music. I always love to give people like a an opportunity just to mosh, especially in my writing around this time, I just really wanted people to dance and feel good. <laughs> so yeah, it's Actually, just this big kinda, slam Yeah, thing. that's cool because it's interesting to hear how people approach writing because some people are like, this is just like therapy. This is just for me, you know? Mm. Um, but I definitely always have a, an audience in mind. Yeah. Uh, so it's cool to hear that you do as well. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think I think everyone does whether they kind of whether they admit are, are brave to enough not. to share it or not yeah um yeah very brave it, of you to say you, you want oh, to do thank you so much <laughs> thank you i feel so brave talking about it um and then at the very end we do like one little final mathy thing where we go um we play the first one as four and then we do like five tuplets and then um six tuplets and then seven dun dun yeah. dun it's like a written out um accelerando it also reminds me of a drum rudiment that i used to play with my teacher like you do single strokes and you do them 
like crotchet, quaver, triplet, semi-quaver, quintuplet, sextuplet, mm. um, just as a way of like building up the speed in each hand, but also as a way of dividing things. Yeah. It's funny. funny so I... for, for anyone who doesn't like, who thinks we're crazy when we're saying like banana and pineapple before, in uh, so in a conducting course that I did <clears throat> at uni, the teacher was telling us like, you actually divide things much more evenly if you have a word with that amount of syllables um, to divide it by. So like for five, you say university. <laughs> well, that's what I say at least. <laughs> university, university. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I, I've, uh, I've heard of a similar thing for like understanding polyrhythms. Like the um, the Adam Neely one he uses is like pass the goddamn butter for like four yeah. over three. Um, yeah. Wash there's one th the bloody dishes was what I thought it was called. <laughs> uh, nice. Yeah, I mean, there was one for five over four as well. Um, but I forget. I guess you don't really think about it as much because you don't really put five over four very often. Hello, me again, recording after the podcast. The phrase I was trying to remember for five over four is I'm looking for a house to buy. Oh, Unless you're a freak. Five over four is one of my favorites. <laughs> nice now really um, sound crazy <laughs> yeah I, i'm gonna i'll line up those in post so we sound like super in time it'll be so cool <laughs> um yeah and we did that last tuplet increasing tuplet thing without a click and just kind of oh wow yeah because we didn't really just felt it. We, we didn't know how to at that point we didn't know how to even click that in i think now yeah. i know how to do it it's like you get the you get the tempo. Say it's like say you're playing at like 170. You get the tempo, which is 170, and then you times it by five over four, and that gives you the tempo of what five tuplets would have to equal to be the same as the tuplet before. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean that makes sense, but I think it's easier yeah. probably to do it without a click. It's yeah, you're right. Fine. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll put the it's calculator like, away. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah. But it, I guess, that, yeah, that's the thing with polyrhythms. Like, if you break it down, it's just like, it's just like division kind of, or like mm. fractions or something where it's like, okay, so if I have 20 even parts here, I can divide that by five and I can divide it by four. Yeah. And that's how you create the polyrhythm. It's just by creating those like even parts. Yeah. Yeah. And then looking at what's inside and finding a way to sort of smush it together and I, I yeah. know that, that there's a band called Carbomb and their entire thing is just like tuplets, nested in tuplets and all this stuff. And they don't use a click. And it's wow. very surprising because their genre of metal sounds very much like it would be the clicked type, but it's all, it's all free. I guess they use the greatest click of all, the human the brain. brain. Yes, the human <laughs> brain, indeed. All right, let's move on to Bicurious George. So... Compositionally, By Curious George has always been a massive favorite in the band. Um, it was kind of our first proper mathcore composition. And it wasn't written down at all. It was just done in our heads, which I believe now to be absolutely crazy behavior. Because now I write a single riff and I'm right there in Ableton. Um, the idea of holding it in my head is really, really funky, really weird. But that's how we did it. Um, the main riff in the beginning... Oh, sorry. I should. We should play this first so you can be a bit familiar. Hey. Okay. 
Once again, written entirely in our heads um, and then recorded onto an iPhone 4 while wow. people were playing Skyrim in the background. I have an iPhone 5S. You know, I thought Suck of you that. when I was writing notes. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, hey, I don't want Fen to think I'm like dunking on his prehistoric <laughs> tech. Yeah. I, I quite like the fact that you still got an iPhone 5. I think it's very cool. All of mine just get busted instantly. I don't know how yours is still going. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. They seem to have a shelf life of like two years. I did have to replace the battery. Oh. Um, yeah. I didn't even fine. know they it's could like do that. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, so you recorded it on an iPhone 4. Yes, we Very did. Nice. We recorded it on an iPhone 4. And that, that main... Say, sounds great for an iPhone 4. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean... That just goes to show, right? You know, you don't need the you don't need the Jonathan tech. Took does wonders with that iPhone 4 recording. He does. <laughs> yeah, we, we used it on each of the parts of the drum kit. Anyway, yeah. I digress. Um, so the main riff in the in the beginning that that is a twelve tone row. I was thinking that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because Jono and I were really into that idea when we like we're riding around this time and a couple of young schoenbergs over here yeah yeah a couple of young schoenbergs in uh <laughs> kiraville or wherever we were um yeah and yeah we were just sitting around and we we made this riff and um but the thing is we didn't get through all 12 notes i think we ended up playing like 10 or something and then we're like yeah the riff's done so yeah it's a, like i was just thinking like it was it's a really catchy riff for a 12-tone row because 12-tone yeah. music tends to not be super catchy. Yeah. 
Um, but it's it's you know you can kind of sing it. Do 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 do. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> Did I ever tell you about that time I um I drank some like off soy milk and then went to go and see Weyburn's is that how you say it? Weyburn? Yeah. Yeah, I saw Weyburn's opera at um at the opera house. Wow. And it was like the most like disgusting experience of my life, just feeling so sick and then like having just atonal German music at me. Opera. Wow. It was very, very nice. grotty. I really felt like I understood the the play. I, I forget what it was, but I'll, I'll put it in in post. Hey, it's Jack in post. Turns out I got it really wrong. It wasn't Anton Webern. It was Alban Berg's Wozzeck. It's um, like a 4D kind of uh, experience then. Yeah, truly, truly disgusting. <laughs> Happening inside grotty. of your body and yeah. in your ears. And externally. And I was like, how do these singers even remember what the hell to sing? Yeah, I was, yeah. I saw a concert at the Opera House yesterday. And like these singers just must have the perfect pitch or something. Because mm. it's just insane. Like, yeah, just to be to able, be able to, to reach to these completely like, yeah, un unrelated atonal intervals in... And there's very specific tuning without like backing from any sort of other instruments necessarily. Yeah, they just they guess I guess they yeah. practice and they're or good. Or if there is backing, then it's completely yeah. <laughs> like dissonant to the. Yeah, if it is backing, it's, it's playing like a a parallel minor second away at at, at all times. You know, it's crazy. Um, sort of like a Basil's kite song. Ah, uh, <laughs> except we, we luckily we got our fingers. <laughs> yeah, nice. Luckily we got our fingers to kind of give us the right notes to go to. Um, but yeah, there's the in in the kind of chorus sections. Um, the bit that says monkey mania, monkey with guitar. It's like, it's got these really quick chromatic runs that are separated by a minor second. Um, um, and yeah, that sort of, that, that riff, that is kind of the linking bit between all the sections in this song. It's just a really, really speedy kind of loosey goosey part. Um, and then at the very end, I can't really pinpoint the moment or the time when we started using the lyrics from Hollaback Girl, but one day it just happened. And I think at that point, we're really into the concept of like, <clears throat> like metal songs that would build into like this really huge breakdown and everyone would have that catharsis and then yeah. building up into Head a second breakdown. Moment. Yeah. And then being, building up into a second breakdown and then suddenly like pulling the rug from underneath everyone. Um, so that's what happens at the very end. And we sort of, we're very into Dillinger Escape Plan. I was actually, I was listening to MathCast this morning and um, they were talking about this song and they correctly identified it as being very influenced by Dillinger Escape Plan. And right. yeah, we, so, so we build up in this massive section, cut to really clean guitars. And at that point we were really into, I'm going to say the name that I've never said out loud in my life. Steve Reich? S Steve Reich? <laughs> yeah. How do you say it? Steve Reich. Steve Reich. Uh, Why did I, I think, think it was Reich? Reich? Anyway, <clears throat> Stephen. Some people say it differently. Honestly, they, they do say it differently. They do. Um, but I always thought it was uh, Steve Reich. Well, we're deciding it here today on the pod. It is Steve Reich. So we were really yeah. into him at the time and really into his piano phasing stuff. Are you familiar? Am I familiar? Oh, here we go. Oh, yeah. 
All you need to do is <laughs> there's a video of one guy playing it by himself. I know. I was just about to bring that up, and I oh love that God, he so looks great. like he's in such pain while doing it. <laughs> he's I like sweating. Stuff like that, like my uh, piano at work. There's a setting called Twin Piano, and mm. it's like you ha you can play in the same register. Ah, uh, so nice. I tried. I've tried to do phasing stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I try to do it with my students when they're playing out of time. Yeah, <laughs> like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I, I i find it like when i'm when i'm trying to do phasing stuff i kind of end up really quickly skipping to the next division instead of going it eventually becomes yeah it's just so easy just to lock into that um but yeah so in this it's not quite phasing because it's a bit more cut and dry but we're playing that 12 tone riff from the beginning I'm playing it with nine notes. Jono's playing it with 10. And so it kind of falls out from each other and then creates all these different kind of harmonic relationships. Um, yeah, it's like um, the Steve Reich piece clapping music. That's it. It's like a rhythmic displacement of oh my one God. unit every time. <laughs> I, I keep sort of um, like diverting this conversation, but have you seen the, the Friends theme song, but it's Steve Reich's clapping music? I haven't. But oh I my god, dude! It's so funny. You know that like beginning bit. No one told you that was gonna be this way. Yeah. It just cuts to da, Steve Reich's clapping da, 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 da. music. Oh my god, <laughs> it's so good. Oh, that's so dumb. Anyway, I'll put it in the show notes for the listeners. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, and then that song kind of finishes on a da da bum 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 bum. Um, yeah, just a little other reference to another part. And now we're on to. Train song. Oh, can I just can I quickly mm. talk about my experience of hearing this song by Curious George? Of course you do. Uh, I think the the first time I heard it, I'm pretty sure it was a gig that we played together at the PB stairs, uh, PBC downstairs room, which is tiny. It was organized like super super late, uh, and it was part of the Basil's Kite, whatever it was called, Market Forces Tour. I, I forget what it's called. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, where you made market like solutions. It was, like business themed market solutions. That's right. And you yeah. had those great polo shirts. Um, and I'm pretty sure we played with the Six Disco. But anyway, this song, I remember like, yeah, you guys were just going really, really crazy. And then when it started, like, I just was like laughing at the Hollaback Girl quote. Um, and, but then it was like so like sick at the same time. It's so uh, hard to describe. It's really, it's cool how you use humor. It's like really, it's really disarming and it's really fun for like a metal <laughs> band to do something like that is really like unexpected and, and cool. Ah, uh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, to it's, it's always legally been parody kind of Hollaback Girl. It's parody. It's, it's legal. It, it is. It's a legal parody. And yeah, I think we, we always kind of like that sort of thing, especially for people who aren't necessarily into the genre or metal particularly like i know we played yours and ours festival in 2018 and that was probably our biggest kind of audience we've ever had of people who had no introduction to us to our band or anything and they like they people just like when you do funny stuff or if you like you know kind of like um put on the baby mask at the end and did a little yeah. baby dance People that nobody cared about who I was until I put on the mask. <laughs> um, wow, yeah. that is actually really deep if you think about it. It is so deep. I don't <laughs> even know what that's from. Is it? Is it one of the Batman's? 
I don't know. Maybe it's like Watchmen or something like that. Yeah. Um, I kind of forget. People also love Hollaback Girl, so... They do. They do. And you know what? I it remember was kind in... Speaking of Year 6 Disco, at my Year 6 Disco, they accidentally played the uncensored version of Hollaback Girl. So everyone was yelling, and I'm not going to include the swear word because this is a... This is a family-friendly friendly podcast. Uh, podcast. But yeah. this SH is bananas. Yeah. Uh, so they were, they were yelling that SH word extremely loudly. They were. And the uh, teachers had to shut it off. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah you kind of you capture that uh the energy of how fun it feels to sing that part of the song yeah yeah and you know what it was kind of a dated reference when we first wrote it eight years ago and i hope maybe now it's like become really cool again it's oh yeah it's, it's that old cool. so i don't know anyway yeah. let's move on to train song so, and we'll make this the last one i think because we've been chatting for a bit so yeah. train song is the most new song of shooting sars and it is completely microtonal. I you said the most Muse song for a second. The most like, Muse song. Ooh, yeah. Super massive <laughs> black freaking hole right massive. here. Um, yeah, just listen to this song, close your eyes, and imagine the Cullens playing baseball while, <laughs> while Train Song is playing. Yeah, I'm imagining um, that guy, whatever his name is, La Fonte uh, or whatever. <laughs> oh, the, the, um, from, from the Voltaire. Yeah, yeah, yeah from yeah. the Voltaire. He floats Vol- along. sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. God, they I can love only that play movie. in a storm because the sound of the thunder masks the cracking of the bat. That's right. Vampire baseball is just different to normal person baseball. Yeah. They, uh, you know, they all have Actually, cool... Actually, to like... me, vampire baseball is very normal, but maybe <laughs> I'm just built different. Oh, you're a freaking... You're a freak. <laughs> um, um, yeah, Train Song. It's the newest one on the album. Yes. And it is microtonal. And it is in the 10-tone scale that I created with some help from some microtonal friends. Hey. (laughs) I was trying to think of it. 10-tone scale, is this like a... It's not equal-tempered or or it is? It's very close to equal-tempered. Okay. And I kind of forget what it is sometimes because I just made it and then fretted it. And then microtonal nerds because they're the only people who are interested in this. They ask me what it is, and I have to get out the diagrams that I made. But it's, yeah. it's from memory, it's based on the 13th harmonic and the 7th harmonic. And 13th harmonic. Yeah, which, which is okay. like a, a flat 6 that's flat, six. flat by about 40 cents from memory. Um, okay. And you don't that's hear it flat. in this song. It's very flat. It's That's a it's a flat, flat six. Hey yo, me after the podcast. It's actually sharp by forty cents. So uh, I had it wrong. Sorry. And then the uh, seventh harmonic, which is of course a flat seventh by about thirty cents. Also me again after the podcast. I should have said this, but cents is what makes up a semitone. So there's a hundred cents in a semitone. Yeah, right. I don't think you hear either of them in this song. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think. Um, <laughs> Like, like there oh, is that like that was a waste. <laughs> yeah, that, what, what was I learning all this for? <laughs> um, I think there is like a melodic bit right near the end, um, but the, the the next album we got coming, you'll hear more kind of obvious microtonal stuff. But mm. yeah, so the bit I want to talk about in this song, and I think maybe we'll take a, a break so you can have a listen to it. <laughs> Wait a minute! 
Thank you so much. Yeah, this is this is definitely um, it's kind of like one of our first. It was our audition piece for Isaac on drums. Um, yeah, we we actually we played this song with a few drummers. Um, one of them, which was Bonnie from Bonnie Songs, oh. and she did a she did a great job of it. Um, but it was Isaac who was most like, "I'll move to where you guys live so we can." live and breathe basil's kite wow um so he got the job um yeah isaac definitely has his own um like unique way of playing the drums um just like the way that he hits and like the beats that he chooses and stuff it's really it's really really fun to watch live mm. it's like so fun yeah um yeah, and also he, he hits extremely hard too. He does hit really hard. That's a really Which I common thing. That the uh, last Sydney show that Basil's Kite played. Yeah, at, and at, the at, sound guy may have told me that um, there was a mic on the snare drum that he was not using. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course, I remember that. Um, that was the highway gig. Sad yeah, news highway about bar, highway, which is RIP now. Yeah, Damn. sadly. Anyway, um, uh, yeah, let, let's song. bring the mood back up though. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I'm going to copy and paste a thing here for you to look at because I'm going to try and explain a concept that I think I might not do so great at explaining and maybe I'll need the help of a teacher to help me out <laughs> here. So, <clears throat> so I want to talk about the ending of this song. 
Uh, it's the part at about one two fifty five. No, one fifty five. Um, I feel like I know where you mean without listening. Even just yeah, it's like where it becomes more melodic, right? Uh, no, it's the bit after that goes where he goes. I swear I'd change. Uh, this is a really weird rhythmic concept that I hadn't used before then. <clears throat> I think it's super cool and I surely have not been the first person to invent this. But if I was the first person, I'm going to give it a name and that name is Rhythmic Holonomy. And Holonomy? Yes. And I cannot explain the concept of Holonomy at all. <laughs> but okay. it's, it's a thing that I saw... Um, I went through a massive like Rubik's Cube phase, like twisty puzzles and all that kind of thing. And Holonomy, like basically, I'm going to give it a go. Screw it. I'll give it a go. I'll try to explain it. So, Screw it. Why not? Holonomy is like if you have a spherical puzzle with like square pieces that move along. God, I wish I had a ball here to. Okay, wait. Let me just imagine that okay. in my mind's eye. Podcast spherical listeners. Puzzle, imagine, imagine a, yeah, imagine a sphere. All right. Yeah, imagine like a little triangle cut out of the top left quadrant of the sphere. Now, imagine a shape traveling across <laughs> this quadrant of the sphere. And each time this shape moves across to a different corner, the shape is oriented a different way because of the, the way that it moves across the sphere. So maybe it's oh, a square and maybe by the time... I think it, I understand what you're talking about. Yeah. By the wow. time it does a full circle... It's like a, it's oriented like 90 degrees or like 180 degrees, a little bit different or whatever. Yeah. This is holonomy. So look it up if you didn't follow that. And hey, if you didn't follow that, I don't blame you. I ain't a math teacher. I don't if know anything. If you didn't follow it, try listening again. Try listening again. Close your yeah. eyes. How Ima about you just rewind about two minutes. Close yeah. your eyes. Imagine, Stop what you're doing. Imagine that ball a little bit more with a little bit more clarity than you did before. Yeah. And that'll, that'll surely yep. fix if things. You, if you're into 3D animation, maybe you can create yeah. a mock-up. Open up Blender. Go nuts. Open up Blender. Yeah. So, in this, there's two distinctly different rhythmic patterns. Um, and they're sort of smushed into each other. So, the first one is 6-8, 4-8, 2-8, and then 4-8 again. And this just goes over and over. 6 4 2 4 6 4 2 4 and then the second pattern is 4-16, 6-16, and 2-16. So that's the guitar bit that goes... And then that just goes 4-6-2, 4-6-2. And what I did was I shoved rhythm pattern A into rhythm pattern B to, next to each other. So first... Right, the first... so it goes 6-8, 4-16, 4-8, 6-16. Correct. I see. Okay, so yeah, it's like you're alternating between the yeah between the two. It's interesting you say that because when you listen to it, it sounds like this almost like a cut and paste kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I assume that's not how you played it. Like that, it was actually recorded like linearly. Yes. Um, but it almost sounds like it's been done like in post production. Okay, yes. so there are these two different songs. Yeah. One of them is in this eight pattern. The other is in this semiquaver pattern. Yeah. Yeah, you we, know, we, we, one, we did... One, two, three, four, five, six, da-da-da-da, one, two, three, four, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. I think Jono employed... It's funny you say that, because I think Jono, our producer slash guitarist on this album, although he didn't write or play on this song, he um, 
what he did was he did like a very classic metal production thing, which is where when there's a gap in the music, <clears throat> where there might just be like one guitar playing something quietly to sort of intensify the sound of everyone together, you just cut everything. So you get the drums, like all the all the noise, all the room sound, and you just turn it off. So you hear this. Right. Bah, doo -doo 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 -bah. And that like That's that little so space good. is just pure silence. Um, yeah. Yes. Uh, so yeah, it kind of just goes in like that. Um, and I don't know, I think it might already be explained, but I'll just add this on as a little thing that will hopefully illuminate and not just further confuse the listener. So if we imagine the first pattern as A, B, C, B, <clears throat> because it's, what is it? It's because it's six, four, two, four. And you imagine the second pattern as X, Y, Z. Um, it goes A, X, B, Y, C, Z. And then that, that's the second. <laughs> <laughs> Bear this with makes me, sense guys. To me because I'm looking at the, yeah, at the yeah. message you sent me. But <laughs> yeah, I feel like this <laughs> maybe isn't going to work at all. But hey, I, in my notes, I wrote, I wrote all these simple. letters down. And, a, then, B, C, X. and then B, X, A, Y. Y. Basically, it means that every single bar is an entirely new rhythmic relationship. So there's moments where you hear the longest part of each rhythm section next to each other. Um, and there's moments where it goes really quick. Anyway, I recommend doing some writing like this, dear listener. It's really fun. It's it's like it's methodical, but um, we sort of we we played with what each section meant. So we we messed around. So the first part of it is like all these open notes, and then as it progresses, it becomes boom ba boom ba, and so on. Anywho, now can I suggest a different rhythmic grouping for this? Yes, and absolutely. that is a little time signature I like to call a four four. Oh, <laughs> because curses. okay, so you got six eight. <laughs> Yeah. And then you have 416. But if you think about it, your 6-8 is not really it's not really grouped like a 6-8. It's just like six quavers. So yes. one and two and three and four e ander. So that's yeah. the first that's the first group, right? Yeah. And then you have four eight plus six sixteen mm. plus two eight plus two sixteen. So that would be so one and two and the six sixteen will take us to Seven, three and four. Oh, okay, then it doesn't work. Oh, yeah, well, I'm so I, close to making it all work in four four. Well, the you, first, you almost the first part can. Definitely does. You, yeah, you almost can. And I think the way that Isaac counted it, because I mean, look, this is all so freaking up up here, like in in your head kind of way of thinking of things. When I'm playing, I don't remember that that we're going A X B Y in this section. It sort of becomes just like I know that this part is followed by this part, and it's just a, yeah. it's more of a. It, I'm less conscious of it. But this is yeah. this is how it was for the compositional process, um, yeah. And then I, just I guess had another thought just mm. of trying to rationalize it a little differently. Yeah. Um, okay. So if the first bar is four four, then it's almost like you have two bars of seven eight after that, because it's like one and two and three and ducka ducka one and two and ducka ducka ducka. Ah, uh, sorry. So then that next bit is like one, two, three, four. And then one and two and three and which is like a, a bar of seven. So like one and two and three and ducka ducka one and two and ducka 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 dun. Yeah, yeah. And then five at the end. One, two, three, four, ducka ba. 
something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's definitely, it's definitely a, a, an easier way to understand it. <laughs> I mean, oh, you really, you you really come face to face with the shortcomings of like traditional notation and things like that with this sort of music. Yeah. I, I, I yeah, know. it's interesting. Like, I always have this thought when I'm teaching students how to sight read. It's just like yeah. there's, there has to be a, a better way. Yeah. <laughs> Ultimately, it's yeah. so. I, I, everything about the way we learn music is so far removed from actually playing music. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was reading about the Suzuki method the other day, and it's sort of interesting. There's a, a, a strong focus on playing, but I just feel like it'd be really hard to. It's, it feels irresponsible not to teach sight reading properly yeah. uh, within the musical culture that we exist in. It's true. It's true. Anyway. F- famously, famously, I suck at sight reading. I am very, very bad. Um, and I'm famously... Famously pretty great. great at sight reading. Pretty, pretty great at sight pretty reading. Pretty good. I've done um, some accompanying for uh, exams and stuff. Nice. That has made me improve yeah. sight reading because you just have to learn a bunch of music really quick. Yeah, I, I do. I do wish I sort of had more of a focus on it in my youth, like learning how to do that. Um, yeah, I feel like for guitar, like I don't know, maybe it's not as important. Well, you have guitar. It's like tab. you can probably read chords quite quickly and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, you know, Which like I think it's probably more important. Yeah, like once again, you just kind of learn what is relevant for your kind of focus. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know that there's a band in Sydney called Anti Guitar Trio. Um, it's a trio run by Simon Timothy Dawes. He's the guitarist from Kurashimi. Yes, there are guitars in this trio. Yes. <laughs> I uh, thought you would ironic. have been fooled by the anti-guitar <laughs> bit in the beginning, but no, there's three guitars. You probably could have guessed that too. And they all play reading notated music. Um, wow. And I looked at it and I, and I was like, you guys are freaks. And I said that to them because they are freaks. What, why would you do that when you have guitar Ultimately, time? Ultimately, though, the best option is whatever um, has the least amount of barriers to playing That's true the music. Yeah. So maybe the way that you guys wrote, was it by Curious George? You just wrote it all by yeah. ear, by memory? Yeah, by rote, yeah. Like, in some ways, that's like this really pure kind of way of writing music is just by doing it and just until it's locked in yeah or, or um, until, until it reaches a level of complexity where you go okay now i need to think about this differently uh, i remember in high school learning jazz solos right because mm-hmm. um, i was playing a lot of jazz trombone and my teacher encouraged me to for one of the solos to try to learn it by ear and not write anything down because then mm. i would actually be emulating the character and the way that it was being played right. instead of just listening to it, writing it out, and then practicing the notation. Yeah. So I thought that's an interesting way to approach learning music is just by... So maybe in some ways, it the fact that you didn't write anything down for that song, maybe there's like a certain feel mm. to it that you could not have gotten otherwise. Uh, so when I was studying Balinese gamelan music... I remember reading the account of an ethnomusicologist who was talking about how he would spend the day playing um, playing gamelan music with um, with the musicians, and then he'd go back uh, into his like where he was staying and start to write down what they were playing that day, so he could have like a kind of like a recording of um, a recording of the music, and then he came back the next day and was incredibly surprised when it had all been 
changed. Like all the music is different. And then the guy who was running the ensemble, he seemed equally surprised that he would think that the music would remain the same over like over the night as he woke up was like i want to do it differently so i guess this is one of the pluses of kind of rote learning or like sharing music not just using notation yeah yeah it's like a living breathing thing yeah exactly and it changes with the crowd or whoever's there but i think um, even in the history of notated music like baroque music it was not always played in the exact same way and a lot yeah. of things were improvised or left up to the performer yeah absolutely and and isn't that like a very forgotten thing now isn't it particularly to do with western classical music yeah um it's so set in stone in so many ways um yeah yeah anyway i think that can conclude our chat um sounds good yeah sorry to all the people who voted for backvark but uh yeah we had some internet problems and now we're a bit over it so <laughs> hope you had fun listening and if you haven't already get your ears around shooting sars out now via dark trail records and if you haven't gotten around mathcast yet get around that that's a a podcast run by um the people behind mathcore index and yeah you should go and listen to it it's cool it's fun um very nice and i guess i'll say a big see ya music rules music rules bye Bye.